Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister, how Good are morning. you? Good. We're getting close to uh, holiday hours? Yes, yes, and we, and we have them up on the board now. And so weekdays, we're going to be 10 to 8. The next two Sundays, we're going to be 11 to 2. And then the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to be open 11 to 4. When it falls on a Tuesday, that Sunday before Christmas, usually it's a busy shopping day, busy last-minute day to get stuff together instead of the Sunday. So we'll be open 11 to 4, and then Christmas Eve, 10 to 2. Okay. Um, we're going to be closed Christmas, but we will also be closed New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Day. So that means we'll have a three-day long weekend. So if you're trying to brew over the New Year's holiday, you need to get in that Saturday before. I just want to put that warning out to all of our regular customers now. So we will be closed New Year's Eve. Okay, very good. Uh, you can shop online, nthomebrew.com. Mm-hmm. Pick up orders. Uh, they can be sent right to you. You're ordering local. You can get to get that order faster. I mean, small business Saturday has passed, but you could just make it a small business Tuesday or yeah. Friday or Thursday. Any day, any, day, <laughs> yeah. any hour you can make it. You know, a lot of people always think that just because you want to shop easy and sit at home in your underwear and do all your shopping from your smartphone, that you have to shop with big box stores. Um, but you will get the same rate mm-hmm. and the same you know prices and better service if you shop local. So right. wherever you're trying to buy your gifts, shop local. NTHomebrew.com for that. Last week we talked about ice distilling. So if you want to find that, it's uh, available like any episode is at our website uh, at, at ESPN1520.com and WGR Audio Vault and through the Radio.com app as well, from yes. what I understand. Yeah. Which we had a problem with that, but everything's squared everything's away. Everything's good now, so everything's popped up. The new episodes are coming up live. And so thank you for being patient, everybody who is waiting. Very good. Um, All right. So what are we getting into today? <laughs> we got a couple of different things that we can talk about. Um, one thing that I wanted to get to, because it's kind of making its round online again, is what to do with spent grain. And this can be especially tough in the winter. So every you know brewer who's doing all grain has a big byproduct, and that is all the spent grain. So after we mash it and we take all the sugar out of the grain, we still have a lot of solids left behind. So every time you make five gallons of beer, you end up with four to five gallons of warm, wet, soggy, sugar-free grain. Now, in the summer, it's easy for me because I just take it, I spread it out into the garden, I mix it into the top couple of inches. It's great for the garden, um, but that's kind of hard now that the uh, soil is frozen. And I kind of throw it into the compost bin, but it'll start building up uh, pretty quick. So you got to find something to do with the grain. Um, most commercial brewers partner with a farm and they send all their spent grain to be eaten by, say, pigs mixed into feed. And it's actually very nutritious. Um, it may be healthier in some ways than the grain was at the beginning of the process because you've left a lot of the protein, all all the fiber, um, most of the vitamins, but we've removed all the carbs. So you have all the roughage. You know what I mean? All the vitamins, none of the calories. Mm -hmm. Well, not none of the calories, (laughs) but a lot less than there were before. Um, And one of the things that people do with this, and I've done this a few times, is make dog treats out of it. 
Um, there's a pretty popular recipe that we see all the time online, but it's good for the dogs. I mean, with any treat, you want to give it to them in moderation. There's a lot of roughage in there for them. Um, but I've done this a couple of times. Uh, Rocket, at the end of the mash, is always trying to get at the grain anyways. And sometimes I'll give him a little bit of a you know fresh warm out of the mash. But um, he loves these dog treats. Um, and so one thing you want to, one will say, you know, uh, worry is that there, you don't want to have any hops. Hops are obviously poisonous for dogs. If okay. people don't know already, um, you know, especially with my dogs, they've always just avoided because I've always grown hop plants. And even though they, they don't eat, seem drawn to them. Yeah. They eat a lot of other stuff in the garden. You know what I mean? Tomatoes, green beans, uh, yeah. parsley, mint, um, and stuff like that, but he's never touched the hops. But you just worry when you have, say, a you know a mash addition of hops that you've now infused this with this nice, sweet, you know, toasty grain, and that now it might be appealing for the dogs. So you want to make sure this is a mash that you haven't added any hops to. Um, and that's about it. I try to stay away from mashes that have uh, an intense amount of crystal malt. Uh, as well. And this is our for personal uh, flavor reasons because I do taste my own mash afterwards. And the, the crystal malts have this burnt and gritty quality to them. So uh, the recipe I'm giving you here, there's a bunch you can find online. This is Amber DeGrace's recipe from the June 2011 Zymergy. And I was actually able to find this on the Zymergy website quite easily. Uh, and they still, um, they still post it to social media anyway. And you take six cups of spent grain, six cups of flour, a cup and a half of peanut butter that can be negotiated, three eggs and a banana. You mix it all together, spray a cookie sheet down, and you can cut it out into cookie or cut it into patterns a little bit. You know, it's, it's a little bit easier to do it ahead of time. But you want to give it 30 uh, minutes at 350 degrees, and that will actually cook the cookie. Then you want to dehydrate it. So they're ready then, but you can either take them out, cut them up, put them into a dehydrator, or put them back in the oven at 200 degrees for anywhere from 5 to 10 hours to let them fully dehydrate. And then they're self-stable, and you can put them uh, into the, the cupboard. Um, he absolutely loves these. I'm guilty of not making enough. Um, just about every all-grain batch, I save uh, some of the mash to do this. I should just do it while I'm doing the boil. Um but I, I often kind of leave it in the fridge for a couple of days and then decide to chuck it because it gets kind of sour. Um, but he absolutely loves these to treat. It's another way to get rid of spent grain. And if you always ask yourself, I wonder what's in these dog treats. Can I eat them? You know. You made them. Yeah, they right. could be people uh, treats too. These, that was going to be my next question. This is a granola bar recipe okay. for all intents because and purposes. There's just no chocolate or anything in there that would be bad for the dogs. Not exaggerating. Every dog treat, I think, can I eat this? And yeah. some of them, I try them. Are you a dog treat smeller? So oh. if I buy treats for him, I always buy a small package yeah. first, and I smell them. And I can tell right away is he's going to go nuts for these. Right. Or he's not going to like them. I am a smeller, and I'm a, an occasional. I will bite a dog treat, and I will. I've, I've wanted to. So I've many definitely times. taken a bite and like eaten. And these, I would eat these. Like that's that's why I asked yeah. you. You know, like all you got to do is sprinkle a little more flavor in there. You know, and you're probably good to go. So maybe some cinnamon on top, and mm -hmm. it sounds good. It's got all the good stuff. Like, yeah, so you can make a batch of you know good fiber cookies for the dog, and you, know, you can put the chocolate and all the other stuff into another batch and make a good set of you know biscuits for yourself. Right.
And it doesn't add too much to your process either, right? No. I mean, baking it's, it's is really quick. quick. It's really quick to make, and that's why I say I always put it aside and say, oh, I'll do this tomorrow morning. You know what I mean? Well, and, and I never get to it the next morning. Um, so do it while you're making the beer. As soon as you get the mash done, take those scoops right off the top where all the protein is. Um, and mix those up and make the cookies right away because you can be done at least with the, the mixing and the baking part of this before you're ever done chilling your beer. Um, so it's quick. It's easy. The dog loves them. I don't, I'll endorse them. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you're really just making granola bars All right. for the dog. But it's very popular. Um, I know a lot of home brewers who have dogs that do it, and I know a lot of brew dogs who beg at the mash ton anyways, so this is just a good fit. I mean, you can, for this recipe, find it online, you said? Yeah, you can, but I can go over it again. So it's six cups of grain, six cups of flour, cup and a half of peanut butter, three eggs, one banana, um, and that is Amber de Grace uh, New Life for Spent Grains out of June uh, 2011 Zymergy. On the recipe here, you made a little typo. Instead of spray a cookie sheet, you wrote spay a cookie sheet, which Ooh. is a little dog pun. Yeah. Make sure your dogs are spayed. That's your mean. Cook- I try cook- not to make those, those <laughs> puns around the, the dog. Um because he, he, he has been uh, altered. but uh, And the, you have two different times here, 350 for 30 minutes or 200 for 5 to 10 so hours? So one's to cook it, okay. and then the other one's to dehydrate it. Okay. I have a food dehydrator. Um, I use it for my hops, you know what I mean? I use it for spices sometimes, um, and I also would use it for this because it's a set and forget. Where the oven, you have a little bit, I, I don't know if you're really, I didn't spend that much for my food dehydrator. It still has a heating element in it. Um, but I feel a little bit safer leaving that out overnight. Uh, and it does the job a little bit better. My oven's not the greatest, so it's not too consistent on the temperature. Gotcha. So, and, you know, the spent grain point, uh, anytime I'll go to any brewery, I'll ask, like, what do you guys do with your spent grains? Because it's, it's a practice to give them to animals all the time, whether it's farmers yeah. or whatever. And they're, and they're great, again, they're great in the garden. So if you don't have a dog, this is my problem. If I didn't have Rocket, I would take my spent grains and I'd be mixing them out in the snow in my, my garden and just let, you know, them sink in in the, the spring. But he'll eat them right out of the, the snow. So during the winter, I either got to compost it, find other stuff to do with it. I really try to refuse to throw it away. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. especially if I'm brewing over at somebody else's house and I don't want to try to transport like a – you know, sopping wet trash bag full of green home. Um, but I always try to do something with my spent grain because it, it's a resource itself. It's great for the garden. It's still, like I said, it has all of its nutrients and proteins. We've just taken away the carbohydrates. Um, so do something with them. If you're an all-grain brewer, I think this is one of your, like, obligations is that you shouldn't just be throwing out your grain every batch. Yeah. All right, let's get a break in. we got other stuff to get to, right? We, there's your mm-hmm. dog cookies. So your dogs are happy. Um, when we get back, what are we getting into from there? Well, we can talk about getting back into brewing. We're kind of hitting brewing season here. Mm-hmm. You know, with obviously the cold temperatures, being stuck in the house a little bit more. This is the time of year that everybody wants to start brewing um, or get back into brewing. So we'll talk about what you need to do if you're getting back into it. Okay. That's on the way next on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply 
1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back. We are back on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister talking about getting back into brewing as, uh, you know, the, the the calendar turns and the season kind of turns as well. Yeah. No, as we talk about, like, so I, I do have the, the luxury of having one fermentation chamber um, and two wort chillers. So I can still get my wort down pretty, you know, quick in the summer and control fermentation, but I can only control one fermentation. Um, and as every brewer knows, if you're just making one, you know, small batch at a time, you're not going to keep up with your own drinking, especially during, we'll say, holidays, barbecue season, something like that. Um, so a lot of brewers take full advantage of this time of year where they can control their fermentations um, easily by moving a fermenter around the house, using just a heat pad in the basement, uh, and they get all their beer brewed up for the year. And so a common thing we have this year is people who have just taken a six-month hiatus coming back in and trying to get all their stuff ready to go again. Um, so as I would talk about today, what you need to do ahead of time to make sure that you're ready to brew. Um, so the first thing we need to talk about is you need to find your equipment. Um, when I moved, I packed up all my equipment in neat boxes. I brought it over home and you know I, I put it in the new house I kept it all together labeled it all I think I retained about 90 to 95 percent of it I didn't seem to retain a hundred and so when I went to go make my first beer I did not go over this checklist ahead of time and I was missing some stuff that I needed on night one so the first things we want to talk about is cleaners and sanitizers so those are the first things you need to find because to be quite honest, you can ferment in a brew pot. You could, you know, use a, you know, some other, you know, food grade vessel to ferment your beer in, you know, if if you had to. But the one thing you're going to be able to or have to do is you're going to have to be able to clean and sanitize all your equipment, the outside of the yeast package. Um, that's a necessity. So really, when it comes to on this list, what do we absolutely need? You need to find cleaner and sanitizer. They don't go bad. So as long as they haven't leaked out of the, the package, dehydrated, or anything like that, if you find them, they're good. Make sure you have enough, and that's really one of the big key things. The other things is for night one, you only have a couple of things on your list that you really need to find. You need to find sanitizer, fermenter, and the airlock. You know what I mean? As far as fermentation equipment, yeah, you need your brew pod and you know any straining equipment, but that can kind of be fudged. But you absolutely need your fermenter, your airlock, and um, your sanitizers. After that, you can start the beer and then kind of work over the next you know, 10 to 14 days until you need to rack it to try to find the few extra things that you'll need. Um, so if you have two weeks to find a racking tube, your hose, bottle filler, caps, and capper. Um, this is a pretty short list um, because... I would say that these are the necessities. I'm not going to say, you know, cleaning bottles will be easy without your vinator or your jet bottle washer. Um, I'm not going to say that you won't be sitting there wondering, and this is what happened to me, I couldn't find my hydrometer. So if you really need to know your numbers, hydrometer should be on this list too. I ended up just brewing 
with no numbers uh, because I didn't want to, one, run back into the store, try to call a bunch of people and try to find a hydrometer last minute at the end of my mash. Um, but those are the sayings you absolutely need to find over the next two weeks and 54 clean bottles. Um, if you have a kegging system, you want to start those lines and kegs soaking ahead of time in case they're really gross. And you want to spend the next 10 days to throw your empty CO2 cylinder in the car or check to make sure it's empty and get it exchanged at Praxe or Hahn or Straight Welding or someplace over the, the next two days. So you can break down, if you are trying to search out your equipment, you can break it down into two searches, what you need to get the batch started fermenting and then what you need to rack or bottle the beer uh, in the future. Um, there's a couple other things I can throw at you that aren't like equipment you need to find, but some, some helpful tips to trying to brew, especially when you don't have a lot of time. And this is the one that's always the hardest for me. Although I'm saving a lot of money by making beer, uh, and house guests expect it when they come over, um, and uh, Kristen is mad at me if I don't have <laughs> some of her favorite beers on tap all the time, it's, it's hard for me to find time to brew because it's a hobby. And so I very often try to fit it in uh, in times when I have, you know, a morning available or evening available. Um, but sometimes it's okay to make a date and a time to set it out for yourself. So plan a date for the future, set a time so that in ahead if somebody asks you, oh, what are you doing? Can you, you know, help me out with this project? You said, oh, I was going to be brewing. Maybe you can double help them with the project and still sure. make the beer. But at least you have that then to say, you know, oh, I was planning to brew. And, and really not to other people but to yourself. Um, you could always bail on this date if stuff gets too hectic, if something comes up. Um, but you want to look at a date and you want to then plan a date two weeks in advance to be able to deal with the beer so you don't have something sitting for months and months in the car buoy, which I think happens to a lot of people. You find the time, you find the evening to make the beer, and then you really have trouble finding the time, you know, 10 to 14 days later to rack and bottle it. Um, so set yourself a date on the calendar to make beer and then follow through. Watch out for simple mistakes. This is another one that I'm really because you're rusty. Guilty. You're rusty. You're in a hurry. You haven't found everything. It's not like set out in front of you. You're you're prone to skipping simple steps. Um, the big ones for me are closing ball valves, so I don't send my first runnings right out onto the basement floor. Um, watching your temperatures, uh, as far as mash temperatures, strike waters, pitching temperature. If it's been a hectic brew day already and you're going to bed a little bit late. Spend that extra 15, 20 minutes to get the pitching temperature right so that everything doesn't go wrong, you know, over the next 24 hours when you're finally getting some rest. Uh, and sanitize everything really well. Sanitize and clean your equipment ahead of time in case you need to replace everything. Um, this has often happened to me where I, I look at it, oh, I'll, I have this fermenting bucket at home. That's the bucket I'll use to brew beer tonight because I don't have another fermenter available. I get home and I forget that I've put potting soil or spent grain into it or it looks like I may have used it for minnows at some point <laughs> during the season. Something has happened to that equipment where now, no matter how much cleaning I do, I will always be thinking, can you taste the minnows in this? 
Um, so look at your equipment ahead of time. That's why you want to do that checklist. Um, you may need to replace some stuff, but don't cut corners on that sanitizing. And if you're questioning your equipment, you're going to be questioning your beer no matter how it tastes. So replace it. Um, the, I might even want to treat it like a nuclear submarine needs two keys. Like yeah. I might even want a cleaning day and then a week later, a cleaning day. Like give it yeah. two full processes to make sure that you're going to be cleaned out, you're mm-hmm. going to sanitize, um, as opposed to doing it right before your, your batch. Yeah. No, I, I just think it's like a little bit of um, well, duplicity is not the right word. Uh, redundancy? What's yeah. the word? There's like a military term for doing something twice. Yeah. Like I, I, that's, that's been my practice. I'll, I'll just have a day where I clean everything, and I'll feel like it's clean. And then I'll do the pre-brew clean. Yeah. This is usually my, like, my, uh, if I think I'm going to plan a brew date or I'm going to be able to brew in a, d- a day in advance, I always clean my equipment. I always take some water set it aside, bring it to a boil to dechlorinate it. And then often I'll take my fermenter with some star sand and I'll put it into my fermentation chamber and set it to 65 degrees, 55 degrees, whatever my pitching temperature will be so that I know when I come back in a couple of days that not only can I find everything, it's kind of already sitting there. I don't have to wait for water to fill up. I can just start heating. Um, And I know my fermentation chamber is going to work so that I I have a place to put the beer where I can trust it um, when I'm uh, done brewing. Um, Last thing let's talk about is old ingredients and how long they keep for. I have a bunch of old ingredients. Yes. How long do they keep for? A long time. Okay. Grains. how? how One thing I worry about is great base grains. Okay. And hops that I've opened before. Those are your biggest worries. But specialty malts are... Specialty malts, especially the darker they are, the longer they're going to be. How tightly sealed do they have to be? Um, the, the better sealed, the better right. they're going to like last. If I'm thinking I've got... A lot of it depends on location, too. Let me right. say that. I've got a bin of half-used specialty malts that are in a bin that are you know half open, but twisted off, rubber bands tightly around them in the basement. That's great. Okay. That's great. Um, that's the same thing that I've done. And um, so at work with our like leftover grains that we kind of have in our little classroom set up there, I'm never worried as, as much. The, the air conditioning, the heat is always it's always one or the other there. It's a, you know, a concrete building that gets a lot of sunlight, so it, it never seems like you're just you know, cruising without the thermostat going. Um, and that means it's very dry there. At home, I try to bring my grains and my other non-refrigerated um, items up into the kitchen cupboards upstairs because it is kind of humid in my basement, and that's really what you want to worry about is humidity. Not so much temperature. I mean, keeping it out of the air is great. You know, they can oxidize over time, but humidity is a really killer for ingredients. Um, so try to keep your grain in a dry place. And before you go to brew with it, sniff it, taste it, (laughs) make sure it tastes okay. If the grain starts to go bad, it's going to have a kind of, uh, old wood, you know what I mean? Or dead leaf like aroma to it. And so if it has those, you might want to replace it. Generally, they say base grain is good for about 18 months to 24 months in a like, good to ideal condition. So if you have pre-crushed base grain and you've like put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in a Tupperware container, you put it place someplace cool and dry, it's going to be good for at least two years. Your specialty malts and stuff like that, it's going to be a lot longer. Now, hops and yeast kept in the fridge um, are really good about indefinitely. Okay. Now, 
there's some questions of how good the original packaging was here. You know what I mean? With yeast, you want to make sure there's still, if it's like a fermentous package, you want to make sure you can like squeeze it a little and it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't like let its air out so it doesn't have like a pinhole leak in it. If it's a Dan star, it's the opposite way. You want to make sure it's still vacuum packed. Um, for the hops, you want to kind of do the same squeeze or if again, if it's vacuum, kind of take the same look at it to make sure no air has gotten in there over time. Um, but even though the dried yeast have an expiration date on it, it's always been my effect that if I keep them in the fridge, they've been good indefinitely. I was using old Edmiel packages five, eight, ten years after they went out of business. Um, and it was taking off just fine. Um, I remember I would always use one package, check on in the morning to see, oh, is it finally starting to lose its pitch count? Do I need to put in a second package? And I never did. And now Edme Ale Yeast is available again as S33 from Fermentus. So that, that yeast that I hoarded when they went out of business lasted me the 10 years or 8 years that they were out of production. Um, but your ingredients will actually keep for a long time. Dried malt extract, good indefinitely. It might turn into a brick. Liquid malt, malt extract, if it doesn't have its seal... Um, it can start to oxidize. So what happens is, is you take like a Pilsner malt extract, you pour it out, and it comes out dark and molasses, more than it is usually, um, and it may have a little bit of a smell reminiscent of like amber or brown malt. Um, and if I do find some old extract, I tend to take it and use it to make a Burton Old Ale or something like that where I can kind of cover those up. Whatever you're doing with your old ingredients, Make a recipe. Um, that's really important. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely encouraging you to try to make a beer out of all your old ingredients, but don't feel like everybody has to go into the pool. Um, you might throw in a whole, like, three-quarters of a pound of black malt. You go to make a brown ale a couple of weeks later. It calls for, like, three ounces. You're frustrated you put in that whole thing of black malt, but it also can kind of overdo the beer. Just because your ingredients are old doesn't mean you have to make a, like a Russian Imperial Stout or Burton Old Ale. Um, so sit down, look at your ingredients that you have ahead of time, plan a recipe. And if you want to pay it forward, next time that you come into the shop and you decide to buy that extra yeast packet, get some extra hops in case you have a chance to brew, make sure they end up in a good place when you bring them home so that if you don't have a chance to brew, um, you can save them for the long term right all right well we're out of time we had more to get to but we're good for next week yeah right converting to indoor brewing and all the talk about stuff. keto i made that over the weekend yeah? with some friends what's that who are experienced it is a puerto rican it's always called the puerto rican eggnog oh i think i like it better than eggnog particularly because i think it mixes better and it's a little easier on the stomach in volume gotcha well up for interpretation <laughs> but right. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. You said keto. I thought you were like the keto diet, which no, is all no, the rage. No. But uh, co-keto. Co-keto. All right. Co-keto. All right. We'll find out about that next week. Uh, that's it for us. Again, any episode on demand at uh, our website, ESPN1520, radio.com app, and WGR's website as well. Happy brewing from us at Just Brew It. Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.